This is the Home Health Revealed Podcast. Hear stories from real industry leaders discussing topics affecting the ever-changing home health industry. Welcome to Home Health Revealed Podcast. I am your host, Mike Greenlee, and I have my co-host here, Hannah Vale. Hannah, how are you? Hi, I am doing well, Mike. How are you? Good. So Halloween is coming up. I love Halloween. In fact, I am the person that gives away the candy, and I do full-size candy bars, by the way. Ooh, nice. Well, are your kids dressing up or are they too old for that? Too old for that. Too old for that. I'm dressing up though. I'm never too old for that. What are you going to be this year? Um, I'm thinking about being a basketball player. Hmm. Since I got both my fingers are jammed, I think I can pull that off. Oh, yeah. 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 Great. That's part of the costume. Yeah. So I got, uh, I got a little wig and then I got some of my basketball clothes back from the day. When I was an athlete, unlike today, where I have no talent whatsoever. An athlete. Athlete. Yeah. Well, we my kids are still dressing up, so we're, we're here for it. We have got a full weekend of candy and parties and dress up coming. So that's exciting. Well, just like Halloween coming down the pipe, you've got the holidays, which also means it's getting close to the end of the year. Can you believe that already? I know. It's crazy. 2022 is coming to a close. Now, this is also the time that a lot of companies start to look at their budget. And yeah. then, you know, you know, within the budget, you know, they look at, hey, am I going to outsource? What change am I going to make within the agency? So I thought it would be a good idea if we talk about some of the sales myths Okay. Did I say that word right? Myths? Myths. Yes. That's a tough word. Debunk those myths. Myths. It's a tough word. Anyhow. So I got like, I think I got nine of them. All right. So I want to talk through these with you. I want you to debate me on some of these. All right. Can do. Are you ready for number one? Yep. All right. Number one. Now, well, first of all, you do agree with me that salespeople, like they have a bad stigma about them. Like, oh yeah. These, these people ever come to your front door? I love them. I love them when they come. Because I always want to know if they really know the contract that they're trying to sell me. Mm. You know, like your your rodent spray stuff? Oh, yeah, those. Those, those people always come by. And I, you know what? I got spiders, so I'm into this. So I need it, right? But then when I start talking to them about the contract, they can't ever tell me anything about the contract. So you just like to give them a hard time? Pretty much. No. But anyway, salespeople, some people think, hey, you know, talk to a salesperson. They're going to try to sell me something, right? Yeah, and that's while, their job. That's their job, right? Money's a motivator for them mm-hmm. um, because they all have they all they all have quotas. They got to hit their sales quota. So I I figure I'm going to do some research on this stuff, and we're going to talk about it. So when salespeople, although they have this stigma, they're not all the same, right? Right. There's some really good, experienced salespeople. Sure. And then you're not so experienced salespeople. But did you know, statistically, that being respected and trusted among customers or clients is far more important to an experienced salesperson than money? Really? True. Hmm, I can see that. Yep. Followed by doing what they say they're going to do, which is my motto, do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And they're all about building a solid reputation in in their industry, whatever they do. Being knowledgeable, being trustworthy, yes. Yeah, so you think about, hey, if I'm talking to a salesperson, they're going to try to sell me something. But what most people don't realize, and here's the myth, or the myth is that all salespeople are the same. That's the myth. Or it's all about the money. Two myths in one. How about Mm -hmm. that? 
But you know, most companies, and, and a lot of people don't know this, but most companies in their contracts with salespeople, they have a clause in there called what they, they call it a clawback. Okay. C-L-A-W, claw. Yeah. Okay. That if a product or service is sold incorrectly, then actually the person that sold that product loses the commission for that sale. Hmm. So when you're talking with a salesperson, that's something I think you should know. Yeah. That, you know, hey, most of them are going to sell, honestly, right? They're going to do what's in the best interest of the customer, but it's not all about the money. It's more about them being respected and having a great brand in the industry that they're in as long as they've been in business and been a salesperson for quite some time, right? So there is a big difference between experience and unexperienced. So it's always good to know, hey, how long you been doing this? Yeah. Right? Something to always be asking when you're looking to buy a product or a service. Now, sales myth number two. Okay. The best product always wins. You believe in that? No, not actually. And funny story, I went shopping last night, two different stores. I was with one of my kids and I already knew what I was going to buy looking for jeans. Like we go through jeans like crazy because skinny jean. No, skinny jeans aren't really in anymore. They're more like boot cut or even bell bottoms are Car- back. Carpenter jeans. Not carpenter jeans. No. They still sell those. I don't know. They do actually. They have good pockets. Um, but we went into one store. I wanted to buy, I knew what I wanted. I went and I got it, but I couldn't get anybody to help me. Like not get a dressing room, not get help at the service counter. We, we bought jeans there though. Cause I was like, these are good jeans. I know they're good jeans. We went into a competitor store and I was like, let's just go look. We've already got our jeans, but let's just see if they have anything like crazy good. I don't know that they were any better, but we walked in, were greeted. This girl was like, Hey, what are you looking for? And I said, well, we bought jeans. We're looking for this. She's like, let me show you what I love. So she goes through like three pairs. My daughter's just enthralled, right? She's like, mom, can I go ahead and try these? Cause I think I might like them better. We ended up buying more spending double and leaving probably with eh, same ish quality of jeans. Took the other ones back just based on customer service and sales. I'm telling you, it's important. But you know, unsuccessful companies led by poor leaders make this mistake every time thinking that because they have the best product, they're always going to win. But that's not necessarily true. Not necessarily true at all, right? You could have the best features in your product or in your service, but if you don't have the team, the experienced team behind it to service it, then you just have a product or a service. Or the marketing to get the message out there. Because if people don't know what you have and what it does for them, then you can't sell it anyways. Yeah, it's kind of like what you're saying with the jeans. Yeah. You didn't get the service. Right. So the jeans may have been better, however you bought a different. Because she jean. felt better based on how this lady interacted with her. We we were leaving and she said, Mom, someday I want to make people feel like that. Well, that's cool. That was like that was a really big yeah. deal for her. Yeah. So the lesson here is that or or maybe the the advice here is when you're comparing service companies or products especially with service though, you want to focus more on the team versus the features of the service. Because the expertise is really what matters, especially when you're talking about stuff that we deal with, like clinical documentation. Correct. Yes. You can can have a great marketing team, but if you don't have a great service team, you're buying the marketing portion of that when you really should have been buying the service side of that, but you never got to see the service side. Correct. But you have to have all of it. You have to have all of it. Got to have all of it. But you're right. The foundation is your service team. The foundation is the expertise that's behind the products and services that you are offering. 
Now we do this as well. We focus a lot on SEO, right? Search engine optimization. Yes. Right? So when you Google something, you ever Google anything? Use the Google? Yep, all the time. So when you Google something, you know, like, I don't know, dogs, types of dogs. (laughs) Okay. I just saw my dog just laying here, so that's why I came to my mind. Dogs that lay on the floor and do nothing. He can't see, hear anything, so he has no oh, idea. Oh, bless what his little heart! Him. But anyway, they're gonna whoever does the best there in the SEO, their company is gonna come up first. It doesn't necessarily mean that's the best company. No, it means maybe they've paid to have ads supported, or they've done a really good job with their search engine optimization. But statistically, and you've probably done this. You click on kind of the first two that you see, right? I don't now based on what I know, yeah. but yes, in the past I have. Me too. Now I go to page two. Exactly. But uh, before I never did that. I always clicked on the first two. And so yeah. when you do that, you're saying, okay, these must be the best companies because they're pulling up first. You mm-hmm. don't really realize they're they're doing a lot of work or pain to be up in the top tier there. Right. right? Top eight or nine, really. Yeah. So- What we're saying here basically is that just because maybe the first two pop up doesn't necessarily mean that's the first two that's the best. Correct. Just do your research. Actually look through some different ads, look through some different websites, and really even, even somebody with a great website, contact them, talk to somebody, get to somebody who's in the organization to get a feel for the culture and the service that's going to be provided. Right. So we're saying the best product doesn't always win. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. So myth number three, bigger is better. Hmm. Now just leave it at that. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. No comment. Nope. Roger. Now, you know, some would say the bigger a company gets, the smaller the client becomes. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. When you think about large organizations and people becoming a number. Right. And now well, I always look at it and say, you know, of course, as you get older, you mature in the way that you think through things or you become more knowledgeable, right? That's why our grandparents are always like geniuses, right? Yep. They've done it all. They've got the experience. Is I would tell listeners, when you're, again, when you're looking for a product or service, really give special attention to the new companies. There's a reason they entered the market. So don't count them out, right? I mean, yeah. if you do that, I think you're you're doing yourself an injustice there. Well, not only that, but some of the smaller companies have the ability to give attention to their clients in a different way. And so that, that may even be one of the reasons that they entered the market. They want to disrupt it in a way that they saw a gap, they saw a need that wasn't being met. And so they're trying to fill that. And if the filling of that gap is something that meets the need of your company, your agency, then that might be a really good fit for you. Well, I see smaller companies as more flexible too. That's true. Because they don't have all the corporate red tape, right? And so, right. And, you, and you look at the home health and hospice industry, I mean, that is, things are changing all the time. Yes. And so contractually, you know, you need flexibility in those type of agreements. So when you're looking again, I mean, flexibility is important and they're motivated, right? To do business yep. and to do business the right way. Yep. And so, and the customer service that they can provide could be more personal it, because you are so important to them. You're not just a number. So they don't have to go through any corporate leaders to be able to say yes or no to what they can offer you. Yeah. You have access really to the founders of the company or the leadership mm-hmm. team, because as they're building their brand, there's one of the pride most important, in that. Yeah. One of the most important things is, Hey, I want to make sure I'm here for the customers. Mm-hmm. 
So bigger isn't always better. And I, I really strongly believe this is, you know, really pay attention to the smaller companies out there because you'll be shocked at the innovation and the flexibility that they have, as well as the personal attention that you're going to get. Yes. I, I think even if you're on a national level, it's kind of the same idea as that like shop local. Right. Like yeah, you're, totally you're looking at that mom and pop shop, that boutique model, if you will, to really cater to your needs. Now, myth number four, pricing, right? So we know pricing is important. We're all consumers. Mm-hmm. We look at price. Um, but have you ever had someone when they're, when you're talking to them about something, they have a great idea, right? So you're talking mm-hmm. to them, you give them the time and then they want you to sign today. Yes. And the pressure is like crushing. Yeah. They're like, Hey, if I can get you this price, you know, what, what would stop you from doing business with us or stuff like that today, but it has to be right now. Sign on this dotted line. Did you like my voice on there? Yeah. No, you're doing it's great. Right now, you're doing good. Yeah. I <laughs> yes. like it too. Yeah. But there's sales tactics out there, right? And, and, yeah. and everyone has them. Um, and, I don't like people that rush me into buying anything. No, actually, it makes me back away quickly. Absolutely. Like I've just touched touched a hot stove. Yeah, I don't like it. I always ask myself, why are they rushing me? If their product's so good, or if their service is so good, it's going to be time, good tomorrow. Right? It should be good tomorrow. My price should be good tomorrow. But you know, a lot of companies today, especially if they're uh, publicly traded, they have numbers they got to hit at the end of the month, quarter, and the year. Right. So most companies that are trying to hit their number near the end of the month, quarter, year, they're going to try to give you a really good deal. Yeah, just to meet it. But you still should watch out for a price that's too good to be true. Because it probably is. Meaning like, why are they, why, if the market is here and they're here, why? Because you get what you pay for to a lot of, I mean, that, that does hold true. Yeah, I've seen too many, too many companies that get a good price. So they're paying for a great price but it comes at a cost. The challenge is they just don't know what that cost is. So your real cost, man, man, if you could just finagle that number, but you can't because you got a good price. So you're paying monthly a good price, but you're typically losing in the long run. Yeah. And you just got jacked around. So I would say that a reasonable timeline, if you're a serious buyer, right? If you're really in the market, Hey, you're looking for a product or you're looking for a service, you got to be ready to buy. Right. And I, I think, 15 to 30 days is a reasonable time frame to make a decision to well, talk yeah. with a team to really think through some things. Yeah. If somebody's going to give you a proposal, I mean, that proposal should be good for 15 to 30 days. It's tough to keep pricing out there for longer than that because you know, market can change. Right. And we've seen a lot of market change this year based on inflation and gas prices and food prices and all of that, which does affect everything. Yeah. And, and the thing is too, be open and honest with the person that you're talking with. Like, don't jack them around. Yeah. Right. Because listen, yes, they want to make a sale. That sale is going to be based on your needs. You got to have a reasonable timeline and you know, it, it's okay. If you tell them, no, I, I would rather someone tell me no out of the gate than ghost me. You ever been ghosted? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My kids ghost me all the time. I'm like, man, but no, seriously, you know, it's, they're, they're professionals and treat them like professionals, right? You yeah. Know? So work with them. Hey, if it's not a good fit for you, let them know. I always tell people, Hey, listen, at the beginning of this, we're going to go through this little courting process. And during this process, Hey, if this isn't a good for, fit for you, I want you to tell me it's not a good fit for you. And if you're not a good fit for us, I'll tell you, we're not a good fit for you all. Are you okay with that? Most people say yes, 
But at the end of the day, I get ghosted. Hmm. It hurts my feelings. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, I got to send them emails. Like, uh, are you still interested? Ghost. Ghosted. Yeah. hate it. All right. Myth number five. We're on five. Yeah. You want to lead this one? Sure. Sharing competitors. So... Uh, most buyers don't want to share who else they're talking to, but if you want the best, you really shouldn't be afraid to talk about who you're talking with because a lot of times we know the competitors and you're actually probably going to get a more transparent conversation because we know who does what well. And for for the most part, people are willing to be honest. Well, I just think that, you know, competition is good. Yeah, that's what, I mean, hello, the American dream. It's based on competition. That's capitalism. right. And if you are looking for the best deal, don't shy away from sharing with the other companies who else you're talking to. Because if you really want the best deal, like you said, you can compare and contrast. Because a lot of what, personally what we offer in terms of service, those services can be a little bit different, but have the same name. Mm-hmm. So you could be comparing apples and oranges versus apples and apples. Right. Um, and there's different levels of service. So it, I think, and I don't know why people shy away from telling you who else they're talking with, but I, I would tell people, go ahead and share that with them. Yes. And, yeah. but if you get a salesperson though, that is just going to bash somebody else, that is not professional. That that's not what salespeople should be doing, but that also gives you a clue as to what type of person you're doing business with. Absolutely. If somebody comes at me with, I just hated blah, blah, blah. I think, you know what? If you're complaining about this other person, you're probably going to complain no matter which company you go with. You're probably just a complainer. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to, you're probably going to get a better deal. Yeah. So I would say, listen, by sharing competition of who you're else you're talking with, I bet you're going to get the best deal. Like you're going to, you're going to skip the whole little dickering process. Isn't that what they call it? Dickering, dickering, dickering. Dickery do. I don't know. I think it is. I think that's what it's called. If not, someone correct me. We're sorry. Yeah, my bad. Probably not a great word to use, but <laughs> I think that's what it's called. Um, and then it allows you really to compare the company. So I always say when you're looking for anything, always create a list of specifically what exactly you're looking for. And then as you're meeting with these different vendors or companies out there, start to check those boxes. It's almost like when you recruit, like when we recruit, we look, for, we, we list out exactly the qualifications we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Because we have found that if we don't do that, then we pick someone because we like them and they actually aren't the best employee because we didn't stick to what we were really looking for. So even think, even like when you're buying something, you should make a list. What exactly do I want? And is that company fulfilling that? Yeah. Um, as you're comparing them. Um, because at the end of the day, this is what you want. You want the best fit for you, right? And they want the best fit for them. And so it allows you to make the very best decision. I would say if you have a team of people and you can talk about what you want, kind of create a rubric of need to haves, nice to haves. And if you, you call can, that a rubric, a ru- what? A rubric. Never heard of that. Uh, it's kind of like a, a menu of like degrees, varying degrees of qualifications. So there are some things that you need to have when you're looking at levels of service. There are some things that are just nice to have. But if you have an objective template that you can use when you're interviewing, really, each of these companies, you can quantify their match to your need. Got it. And, and then, okay, so let's move on to myth number six. Okay. An agreement. All right. Yep. 
Ooh, a lot of times time. you get a contract, you say, okay, that sounds good. You get a contract or a copy of an agreement and you think, first of all, a lot of times it's a lot. It's a lot to read through and you think, geez, Louise, do I want to read this? Do I need to have some kind of legal representation? Read this. And you think it's set in stone, but it's not. Pretty much everything is negotiable. Yeah, there's really, I always say there's really four things you should look at in agreement. One is the pricing, right? Make yeah. sure the pricing is there. So when you get the agreement, you know, don't weed them out because of the price. So, you know, I know price is very important. Let's say you get three contracts back and you're comparing pricing. One thing that is often overlooked is the fact that you can um, ask for a better price. So don't be afraid to ask for a better price. Sure. Now, may, maybe you'll get it, maybe you won't get it, but take the time to talk to them about the price and see if you can find level ground, right? Yeah. Um, second thing is the term. So most companies in our space are going to want a two-year agreement, um, which is really fair, I think, you know, when you look at it because you're, you're providing service and, you know, you're getting up and running in the first year and so the second year. But, mm-hmm. but that is always negotiable as well. And as you negotiate the term, the longer the term, you should also negotiate better pricing within that term. And it also, it's good for the client as well because you're locking in that pricing. So if costs continue to go up, you at least know that one thing is stable in your organization. Yeah, think about it. You could lock in your gas prices two I, years ago. I sure would have. Right? You'd done that for about sure. About 1998, 1999, how to lock those in. I remember gas was like 87 cents. Yep, that's back what it was. Yeah. Sure was. Now, one thing that's often overlooked is implementation cost. Yes. Um, now, this is a real cost because if companies are going to implement you correctly, there is time and resources that they have to put to this, right? Yes. Um, so it's a legitimate cost. However, that is an area that can be negotiated. I I would like to interject here. Oh, boy. That while there are a lot of places that would look at this as a way to save cost, I would not try to save cost here at the expense of not doing a full thorough implementation. When it comes to implementation, if you can do on-site rather than virtual, I know it may cost more, but in the long run, we have seen greater success with that. Time it takes, I know it's time for implementation. It's time with team. It's time away from a job maybe. So it looks like we're losing money and productivity and whatever. But if you do that well, you're gonna, you're gonna, uh, eliminate a lot of headaches going forward. So don't be afraid to spend the money on implementation and do it right because that's a good investment. Totally agree. Now there's a, there's a fourth clause in here okay. often overlooked and that's what they call the cure clause. You know what the cure clause is? Go ahead and explain it. All right. So basically if, if um, you're providing a service per se, right. And let's say we're not doing very good then in that contract, there's going to be language that says we have 30 days to rectify the problem. Right. A right to cure, to That's fix right, it. Right to cure it. Now, if you have multiple problems and they cure the first one, then they have another 30 days to fix the other one. So if you think about that, that's now 60 days that they have the right to cure before you would have the right to get out of that contract. So one area you should really focus on, especially in the service side of the business, if you're buying services, is to really look at what that cure clause says. 
because you don't want to be in a situation where you've got 60, 90 days because that's a lot. That's a long time for, you know, if your billing's not being done right, that's a long time to not have billing done right. Yes. It really can affect your cash flow. So that's an area that uh, is also negotiable in those terms typically, um, but often not even brought up in conversation. Yeah. But also realize that when you're asking for something, be prepared to also give something. So if, um, you know, you want some changes to the agreement, they, they may ask for, uh, you know, six more months of a contract. So most people aren't going to give without getting. And so, um, just be prepared and be okay with that. So if someone says, okay, if I do this, this, and this, would you be willing to do this? Be okay with that negotiation of that contract because otherwise it can be seen as one-sided. And again, the contract has to be great for both parties. I mean, that's. Yeah. For it to be a very successful contract. Yeah. All right. What's myth number seven? All right. Data in showing results. Vendors can show and they will show excellent data at how great their services are, but you have to be careful with that. And one of the questions you should always ask is how those stats were put together. Right. So, you know, marketing, marketing's really good at this, right? Yes. They can show Selective you something. Selective data. That's right. Um, and it's still legal because if they're using a certain data point, and you have no idea what that data point is, those statistics can be really swayed, right? Um, and so when you're looking at data, if someone's showing you a one pager or they're showing you something and the data looks super good. Um, I always wonder if they made it up. Well, I mean, what would they say? Like statistics are made up how much of the time? I, don't know I can't even say that. a number because then I'll be making it up. Uh, exactly. Right? We would be in that boat. Right. We'd be in that boat. But here's, the, here's what I would tell listeners. If you're looking at data, what I would want to see more important than anything else is I'd want to see data from a customer, a real customer from when they started with that company until today, because ultimately, you know, when, when we take on customers, they're not always in the best situation, right? So it takes a while to get them out of that situation. So if we were to show numbers, some of our numbers may not even look that good because we're trying to get them to where they need to be. Yes. And there's a, it's a process. It's a process. It takes time. So So if we were to snapshot something, it may not look great. Right. Unless we made it up. Right. Which we're not going to do. But if you take it from start to finish and say, you know, where were they after 90 days? Okay. Where were they after six months? Okay. And just kind of benchmark. That's going to show how your team is working that account and the progress that they're making and give you a better idea of what they're capable of. Yeah, totally true. So I I think when you're looking at data, look at a customer when they started to where they are today, is there improvement? That's the, that's the data. I want to see if I'm I'm working with a company, not necessarily what their overall data is, because again, that could be made up. Now it kind of goes into my myth number eight. Yes. So this is references. Yeah. So this is a very popular especially in our industry, um, because this is a likable industry. Everybody knows everybody. People want a reference to say, hey, can I call someone that does service with you? And we say, sure, sure you can. Sure you can. Now, the deal with that is, right, is choosing a vendor based on references can can have you actually making the wrong decision on who you should go with. And, And here's why. Let me explain. The reference or the agency that did business with you that you're giving as a reference, it could be totally different than your agency. So the question is, we may be a good fit for that one agency, but what if we're not good fit for the other agency, right? Right. 
Am I explaining this good enough? Yeah, because every agency's needs are very unique. They have different processes. They have different people involved in the organization. Their strengths are not necessarily the strengths of that organization, nor are their weaknesses the same. So if you're asking for a reference, first of all, no company is going to give you a reference that's going to say anything bad about them. And they could have even prefaced it with that company and said, hey, if you give us a good reference, we'll give you whatever, yeah. right? There's incentive there. Credit off your invoice or sure, whatever. stuff like that, right? So but, you yeah. don't even know if you're getting a credible reference and then you're talking to somebody who may not have the same challenges. So while I think this is not to be completely overlooked, I think there is value there. I just wouldn't put all my eggs in a reference basket. Right. You could give a reference where you give three references, good ones. And what you're not going to know is there like, there's like 10 other clients getting ready to leave. Right. Cause you're not going to give those, those references. Right. But it is an important step. And I know it's a comfort feeling, right. To get some yeah. reference. I even like references. Um, I just don't put a lot of weight in them. Um, and I tend to want to ask them different questions than, Hey, how's the service? I want to know yeah. more about, you know, uh, being able to get a hold of them, talk with them, you know, are they fulfilling what they said they're going to fulfill and stuff like that. And I want to get a little bit more specific in those areas so that I know whatever they said they're doing for that company, they're going to do for me. That That's probably the yeah. mo most important thing. I'm going to put more weight on understanding the company I'm doing business with. If they know my business and they're putting together a business plan for me. Okay. That's what I'm looking for. I'm going to use the reference as a bonus but not necessarily the means of me making that decision. And then you come down to web, website testimonials. So I look at websites all the time. Uh, I was on a website this morning and I noticed that they had testimonials. So I was like, I'm going to see what their testimonials say. Yeah. The testimonials was one sentence of, and I don't even know if it said who it was or where it was. It was just a testimonial. So when I read those testimonials on a website, but it doesn't really have a lot of information to it. I'm just wondering, is it a real testimonial or is it their own testimonial that they're making? Like, how do I even know who to trust these days? Yeah. It's, it's tough. All right. Myth number nine. What we got? Ooh, I feel like this one's going to, this one's going to be kind of disruptive. This one's going to get us some in some hot water, but going with your software vendor for RCM. Yeah. Well, here's the deal, right? Logical that if I'm using the software and I'm looking to outsource, maybe my RCM, my coding, uh, my first, my first thought is I'm, I'm just going to go with my software company because they know the software. Right? There is, it is easy to make that assumption. Yes. Easy to make that assumption. But what most people don't know, and I only know this cause I've been on both sides of the aisle, uh, is that, you know, EMR companies, software companies, they put about 90 to 95% of their R and D money back into the software, not into actually the RCM service. So that's where the most of their money goes back into. And most EMR companies use their RCM to gain more software customers. That's the, that's the catch, right? So they may give really good pricing because they're trying to get you on that software. And if you're already on that software, then they're trying to keep you on that software. Yeah. So it's not, so when you, I always look at, if I'm looking for software, I'm looking for software. If I'm looking for RCM, I'm looking for RCM. I don't know if it's the best to combine it um, because if you, if you want to leave that software, now you got to leave the software and the RCM. That's a tough thing to do. And that's good for them. Well, that, that's why they do it. And that's why they do it. Yes. That's why they do it. But that's I want, like, like you wouldn't go to a, uh, 
a pediatrician for brain surgery, right? You're going to go to a brain surgeon. I don't know if that's a great analogy, but th- I'm just saying. You know what I mean? Like you want somebody who specializes in a in, in a that particular area because yeah. that area, that's all I want them doing is that. You want the best in each facet. I do. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be handcuffed if I got if I want to move softwares. Now I got to move both, and that's a big disruption for an agency. Hmm. So, you know, and here's the last thing. Now this is where we could get in hot water, but we're going to say it anyway. They're all the same. No, they're not all the same. No, well, they say they're all the same, but people think they're all the same. But I'm still on the other myth number nine. Is that a lot of the companies, they don't hire qualified service members. And they don't really know the software themselves. So you think they would know the software because they work for the software company, but they just hire them off the street. They don't even know the software. So you're really not any better off. For sure. I only know that because I've worked at both sides of the aisle. I've seen it. So you just hire people on the street, low rate, try to come in, hit a button, and it doesn't work. So what are your thoughts on that? You think we're going to get a call on that one? We might. We might. Um, y- yes. It, and if if you really want somebody who's working in your back office that's just pushing buttons. That's a whole other thing. Like you want somebody who's actually a critical thinker, who's going to look at reasons, denials, um, trends. You want somebody who is going to really wrap their brain around your process, not just push a button. Totally agree. So myth number 10, our last one, and we're doing good. We're only 35 minutes. That's good. Is that all the companies are the same. That's, yeah, that's not true in any industry, especially not this one. Well, I look at, you know, when you're looking at coding and billing services specifically, uh, any service, maybe more than a product, but service, um, you can't go into it thinking it's a commodity. You know, um, like homeowners insurance, people think it's a commodity. And so they shop it all the time because they're like, well, I don't want to pay that much. So I'll go to State Farm or Allstate or this or that. Until you have a claim. Until you have a claim, right? And they want to put aftermarket parts on your car. And you're like, wait a minute. I don't want an aftermarket part on my car. I want a real part on my car. Yes. Well, same thing with the service side of it. It's not a commodity. And if you look at it as a commodity, I would tell you don't even outsource. Because the people behind the scenes, they are true professionals at what they do. And they're very good at what they do. And if I'm looking to outsource, I want the very best people doing what they do all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, also in the market, there's been a massive consolidation of RCM vendors. Yes. Especially in the past two years, if you look at it, a lot of acquisitions, a lot of mergers. And with that comes changes in service as well as you know client focus and attention. There's always changes in leadership, employee retention, because now there's, there's new company, new merging going on. And so some people don't feel secure. Yes. And, so and whenever there's internal strife, there is always going to be a change in the service and what's happening outward. Because if you can't have your company have the attention focused inward, inwardly and still be able to provide the same level of service, it just, it just doesn't happen. A lot of confusion, a lot of distractions, yep. mainly internally that you wouldn't see, right. but it does affect you. So with all the mergers and acquisitions that have happened in the past you know, couple of years, I think now is the best time to look. So if someone is looking to outsource, uh, this is a great time to see what's out there in the marketplace, right? Um, 
but you know, the, the main goal, like what I, you know, this is kind of near and dear to me, right? Cause I've been a salesperson for 25 years, right? You wouldn't believe that cause I do Botox and I look like I'm 20, but um, you know, I really, I, I think the reason why I put these as, as myths, you know, when we were talking about this is because I want, I want people to really become educated when they're looking to, to do anything of buying any type of product or service that not all salespeople are bad. Most statistically they're, they're all about their brand. They want to do a great job. Um, and the more information you give them, the better they can help you. Right. Yes. So you don't want to shy away from that. Um, and then just spend your time doing a lot of research in whoever, whatever product or whatever service you're going to do. Um, and so I, I hope these help. Um, you know, I hope just kind of maybe broaden people's perspective of, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to tell my competition, but Hey, it's actually better if you do. Um, right. so hopefully this is helpful. I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Did you learn anything today? I, yeah, I did. And I know that your background is, is sales. And so you have a really strong conviction that sales and service have to really go hand in hand, that there can't be a divide there. And when you're selling something, you need to make sure that it's followed through all the way so that salespeople or service people aren't caught off guard, but also there's that um, continuity between what was said and what actually happens. You cannot so. grow unless you retain. And, yeah. and if you're not retaining, you can't grow. So sales and service are, I mean, they're intertwined, right? Yes. Um, so you can't sell something and then hope that the service team can fulfill it. Um, you've really got to be on the same page with your service team. That's why we, you know, like building the business plans around what we're doing. Um, and I think that's why everybody should build business plans around what they're doing, especially in the service side, uh, because then it gives you a starting point and it gives you a measurement of how you're doing throughout the year or throughout the, the relationship. Yeah. So yes, I think those 10 myths are, are good and you did a good job debunking them. Perfect. Well, Hey, next time our next podcast, we're going to have, uh, Waystar on the call, right? Yeah. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about choosing the right clearinghouse um, and the importance of that. And then we have uh, Jared from Worldview that's going to be on after that one. So we're going to be finishing the year pretty strong. Yeah, I can't I'm wait. Excited. It's exciting. Well, hey, um, appreciate you guys listening and I uh, hope you guys have a great Halloween. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.